What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line podcast. Uh, this is your host for tonight, Greg, along with Ryan. Tyler uh, thinks that baseball is more important than us, so um, screw you, Tyler. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, I would say that if this was the Tigers, I'd be at the bar drinking heavily right now. Yeah, well, if it was the Tigers, we'd be in an alternate plane of reality. So <laughs> this is also That's a little... It's the Tigers 2.0 anyway, so. Yeah, and we're drinking anyway, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. It's on you, Tyler. So we got a little bit to get to tonight. We're going to talk about how pathetic this Red Wings team is. That's one descriptor to use, I'd say. Yep. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about uh, one of the big bright spots on the team, and then we promised and we will deliver. We do have a mailbag tonight where we have some questions from our listeners uh, that we want to get answered. So we'll start real quick here with the Red Wings record right now is one six and two we have one win uh, Ryan has informed me that we are tied for last place in the entire league with the Arizona Coyotes which is and with two games in hand with two games in hand and that they are they're currently winning right now uh, let's do a double check last I saw they are up in the second period on Columbus three to one well, going going with that, it looks like we are going to be dead last in the league, which I am um, oh, delusionally okay with. <laughs> if you looked at our last uh, podcast title, it was hashtag lose for Hughes. It has a really good ring to it. And I think if we, you know, just not win enough, we could be in the Jack, uh, like number one in the Jack Hughes sweepstakes. Which I'm okay with. And what we need update though. Arizona's still up three to one. It's in the third now, so we're uh, working on that last place spot. Not even ten games in. Good. We, I mean, start off to a really bad, strong season. So, uh, I, the Carolina game uh, was the last game. As, as you guys know, we record a little early, so it is the twenty third of October. The last game was against Carolina. It was not good. Jimmy Howard was the only reason that that score was not a hundred to uh a hundred to one but we uh we we suck and we knew we were gonna suck coming into the season it's a rebuilding season i don't get why people are saying it's the tradition for the red wings to make the playoffs and if they're not doing it then we need to fire everyone it doesn't make sense to me because ken holland this is the first year that he admitted that this is a rebuild it is the first year that they admitted that they're not trying to make the playoffs and we knew coming into this season that they weren't going to be good. So I don't know what everyone's problem is. It's like many have said before the last, what, two or so years, everyone's spoiled. And that's the best way to put it. I mean, yeah, you look at other franchises, and I'm going to kind of stray out of hockey. You look at the Yankees. Year in and year out, they expect to compete. But also to that point, they have 26 titles. And the payroll they are able to manufacture year in and year out just dwarfs hockey. But that's kind of how sometimes the Red Wings fan base acts is that they expect this level of greatness every single year, which I was a part of that. But it's also because I was raised on a team that won every single season. Yep. Now, the reality of everything coming through is all these teams have gotten smarter. They've gotten faster. And everyone is – what's funny is that even though that we are – the Red Wings are at this point in their cycle, I guess you could say – Everyone is to their point that they are now because they mimicked what the Red Wings were doing 
It's just that they didn't have the long-standing players like a Dadzik, Zetterbergs, Eisermans, Lidstroms. They didn't have those centerpieces, and now they're getting all those pieces on top of working through the salary cap. So it's we're spoiled, and many are still going to remain that way. But I think there's enough realists in now, especially with the diggers. I'm impressed a little bit by that this is how things are going to go. And to be competitive, you're going to have to suck. Yeah, but I think there's a big difference between spoiled and ignorant. Okay, true. That's there are, true. Yeah, there are a lot of people that are being ignorant with it, blaming the entire thing on Jeff Blaschel, which he doesn't control the roster. He doesn't control the signings. He's literally playing with the team that he's given. Yeah. You could you could resurrect the best coach in NHL history from the dead and give him this team and he's not going to win. I this is not a winning team. I think to do things. It's, I mean this is not a winning team. No. And we're not proficient in necromancy. So those are two things that are not not working out for us, but embrace the tank guys and I don't even want to say tank cuz we're not we've looked okay on the ice at points. It's not like they're not trying. You could tell if they weren't trying. At some points, I'd say it's been better than okay. It's just they're not scoring, and they're pissed at themselves. You can tell when we're losing how pissed off Dylan Larkin gets. You can see it on the ice, and they're not happy with how they're playing. But they, I don't think, can go much further than than where they've gone because they're just, just the team's not there. It's too young. The kids don't have enough experience, which you expect. The vets are all third and fourth liners now. We don't have a second line. And you've got... We have a first line. Well, the first, the only people that are playing at a first line level are Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi. Honestly, those are the two players that are playing at a first line capacity currently. So you've got two thirds of a first line. I would tell you that Nyquist is a low second liner. And then the rest of your people are third and fourth line right now is the way they're playing. Yep, but you're not true. don't expect any different because next year this team is going to look different and the following year it's going to look a lot different two years so, you're probably going to see a 50 percent roster turnover at least mm-hmm. i mean you're dropping all of your defense in two years uh all your veteran defense i yep. think dk has gone in two years erickson's gone cronwall's uh, gone next year mike green will be gone daily might get traded before the end of the year so you're looking at a huge difference in teams in the next two years. Yep. And that's the, the, the biggest piece that's allowed me to embrace the suck as we're starting to get into more and more is that knowing, and we've talked about this at nauseum the last few times we've spoken about just the salary cap and the roster in general. It's just, there's so much change in the next two years. If this is the year they're going to suck and get another top five pick, I'm not going to, lose say we get the first pick but it's fantastic but anything top five is gold golden oh yeah with what they need and you look into next year where rasmussen's going to be you look into the following year where zadina's going to be hell even by the end of this year if all goes right yes there's so much potential i mean we could talk about the potential getting blue in the face about it but it's just just pump the brakes they're putting exciting hockey onto the ice right now they're not scoring they're not winning yeah we're still watching and we're still excited about how they look and what they could possibly do if they could just fucking finish yeah and you look at next year you could have i mean i think you will have joe valeno in the lineup next year i think you'll have zadina in the lineup next year 
look two years down the road, you could have Jonathan Bergeron in the lineup. Uh, you can have, I mean, depending on how it goes in our seventh round pick, we might've hit it out of the park with Otto Kivimaki mm-hmm. and he's having a good season. So in playing huge minutes, you look at uh, Gustav Lindstrom, who is uh, playing top minutes in a men's league uh, defenseman in Sweden. Yep. We we have promising players coming up. The only thing that needs to develop a little quicker, I think, is goalie. Keith Petrozelli is in his second year at Quinnipiac, and he's getting he'll be getting some time. Uh, Philip Larson is injured again, uh, groin, I believe, oh, which was part of his scouting at the beginning is he gets injured kind of easily. Um, if he's got a glass groin, but like Jimmy Howard, but yeah, if he bounces back and is good, that's a solid, I mean, he's, he goes to the worlds every year mm-hmm. and, and you look at someone like Caden Fulcher, Caden Fulcher went to the finals, uh, last year. So I think goaltending is something that might need to develop a little quicker, but I'm fine with being bad for the next two years and getting two top pick, uh, getting two top picks. Mm-hmm. We get Hughes. If we get Hughes or if we get Capo, the best name ever in the draft, Capo Caco. That's the one um, I've been hearing a lot more from uh, Corey Pronin lately. I love it. Yeah. So Capo Caco is probably the best name in the draft next year. Uh, and, and they're saying that he is, is a top three pick. Yep. So, I mean, we need an elite center and we probably need one blue chip defenseman to pan out and we're, we'll be good. We'll be a good team. It's close. It's just a matter about how well they're going to, what we have now, how those guys develop in the next two years, because that's where the money's going to be made. Yep. And one more thing we should mention is Dylan Larkin is on the Ted Lindsay foundation board now. uh, And he will be the spokesperson for the Ted Lindsay foundation, which is uh, fighting autism. That's right. I saw that that was announced today, correct? Yep. So another cool thing that just, I mean, just shows how much more of a leader Dylan Larkin is, is he will be the spokesperson, the face of, and on the board of the Ted Lindsay Foundation, which is super awesome. Uh, so we'll move to one bright spot that we see in the Red Wings right now. And that is who Ryan affectionately refers to as the project, Dennis Chalowski, uh, who who was taken before our uh, Jakob Chikrin, uh, we traded Datsuk's contract to Arizona to move some spots and cap around, and they took uh, Chikrin, and we took Dennis Chalowski. Oh, two so, years ago, though? Uh, three? 16 years. Three years? Two anyway, years. Yeah. He played a year at St. Cloud. He played a year. It had to have been three years ago. A year at St. Cloud, a year in Portland, uh, a year in the W, a year in college. So this okay. is year three. Gotcha. He, we thought he was going to start with Grand Rapids this year, but the kid is great. A lot better than I think we expected him to be. Uh, I think he's tenfold in comparison oh, yeah. to what we were expecting, especially if you go back to our talks prior to the season. Yep. So a cool stat is he is the first defenseman since Nick Lidstrom to have five points in his first six games. And he is he's been a career-plus player. So I think that he is probably our bright spot right now is how how just smart he looks on the ice. Mm-hmm. You can tell his passes are smooth. He has great breakout passes. His hockey IQ is off the charts. The way that he's able to start a rush up the ice from behind his own net, even when it comes to not even just being set, but just getting the loose puck, the way he's able to clear it out with ease, he just makes everything. It's 
I hate making the comparison to the perfect human, but he does remind me of how Lidstrom would move the puck out of his own zone, and he just did it with effortlessly. And he just yeah. goes, goes. And then when he's like, especially now seeing him run the power play, he's up there, his head's up the whole time. He's looking for a shot angle, or he's looking to get it to the next closest person to make a play. And that's what they have lacked. I mean, Mike Green has provided that, but looking down the line, this is going to be our go-to guy on the back end. And if they can start building around that, if he continues this way, they're they're going to be in great shape. Yeah, and they have him on the top pair uh, every night. <clears throat> It'll be real exciting when Mike Green comes back because I see him like a one of the same kind of play styles, uh, offensive play style as a young Mike Green. Yeah. But he is more responsible defensively. And he's strong defensively. He is yeah. not afraid to put a body on. And when he's got board battles going in behind the net, he's he knows what he's doing. He's always got his head looking for where his guys are, and he's able to uh, be effective back there. Has he had a few fuck ups? Yes. However, it's exactly, it's his first seven games in the NHL. I'm okay with it right now because the effort he shows each night, the kid's gonna be good, and you oh, can yeah. tell that he's put the weight on. He's done his off season Metro Detroit workouts. It's just it's exciting. I said that if he gets uh, 30 points in his first season, that is, it's an amazing success. Absolutely. That'll be successful for, for a rookie defenseman to get 30 points in their first season. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I think he can do it. He's got the will to do it. The kid loves hockey, breathes hockey, super dedicated, and he's learning mm-hmm. and he takes responsibility when he messes up. He's great in the post game interviews. Uh, I see, I mean, he'll get an A eventually on his jersey, but mm-hmm. but it's it's good to see that a young we have a young core of responsible kids with some leadership skills like like Larkin and, and Chalowski. Mm-hmm. But I think Chalowski is the brightest spot right now coming out of this season so far. Oh, easily. And to your point with Green coming back, if the, those two paired up on just a regular five-on-five situation, it could be deadly. I'm hoping. Oh, yeah. There's, t- yeah. there's potential. But. Yeah, plus I think Green can teach him just a ton. I oh, think yeah. Green is a huge learning. Beautiful. Absolutely. So, Chalowski, and, and my other thing is Larkin might be a point-per-game player this year. So, we'll see. Bold prediction. We need, we need to write that down. <laughs> I, it's, I've been saying it. I think, <laughs> I think Larkin could be a point-per-game player this year. He's, I think, one off the pace currently, but one multi-point uh, game fixes that. One multi would put him back. He's uh, at nine games, seven points. Okay, so one multi-point game, uh, get him one three-point game. One two-point game puts him one behind the pace, and then another two-point game puts him uh, above the pace. If he does that, that's exactly what the team is is going to need moving forward with the losses that are and everyone else they've lost the last couple years. And that's what I said. Larkin, people are like, well, Larkin's not that good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he put up 63 points on a bad team last year. And if he's on this pace this year, and even if he puts up 70 points this year on a bad team, that's a good player. Yes, and that's so. that, That's what makes the next couple of years exciting. So not going to keep beating the horse, but you, you get my point. Yep, so I think we're going to move on to our mailbag. We do have some questions from Facebook and some questions from Twitter. So what we'll do first is we will go through the Facebook questions First, from Adam Smale on Facebook, it says, if you were in the Red Wings marketing department, how would you persuade people to buy tickets? Ryan, I'll let you go first. Say that one more time. 
His question is, if you were in the Red Wings marketing department, how could you persuade people to buy tickets? How do you fill that arena? Well, the first thing I do is cut the fucking prices. The fact so, that I go on there and check out Ticketmaster, I was just curious what prices were yesterday. You're still looking at six figures for great seats, which are not six figures, three figures, so 100 plus dollars for lower bowl quality seating and then you get a little higher it starts backing off like 85 or 90 to 85 to 90 middle middle of the lower bowl and then upper bowl you're dropping down to 75 i think they've done a little bit but that's still not going to put butts in seats that and we kind of touched on this before with the, the whole seat issue between that and then how much it costs to just get a beer it's still 10 bucks which is actually what it was at the joe that most of it still turns people off and yep. for the area in general, there's one bar right there other than the ones that are connected, which those are all horribly overpriced. They're pretty neat in theory. The pizza, I can't remember the pizza place. That's actually got some pretty good food. Mike's but, Pizza. Yeah. But you go in there, you have your food and drink, and you're putting out 40, 50 bucks for two people on just yep. one beverage and everything. It's That's it's not sustainable with a shitty team. And even with a good team, like even when the Red Wings were doing fantastic at the Joe, there were still all those empty red seats that you could see on the broadcast. It's, it's a tricky situation because it kind of goes into the fact that their sport fans are spoiled, but also the fact that the team is bad. It's just not money they want to spend to also just get down there. Cause that, what is it? Parking at the, Oh God. Uh, at the right outside the arena is what 45 bucks 40 bucks if you want to park in the garage that's right outside the arena yeah no fuck that i'm not doing that which i found out that it's actually fantastic to ride in the queue line not trying to put a promotion spot on ryan pimp in the queue line that was actually a fantastic little ride and for a couple hours for like what two three bucks i think it is for a pass on there you can park way across town and make it there with ease so what I normally do is I park in front of cast. I'll park in front of cast tech and walk uh-huh. over. Or there are some where they tore down some houses. There are there some rich people bought some of them and are basically renovating them. Um, but half the streets are empty. It's like two blocks away. I park on those streets and it's free parking and we just uh, okay. walk to the arena. Th- there's so, a there's a veterans parking lot just down by uh, Wayne State that I go to. It's free for if you're a veteran, but they just ask for a donation, so I typically go there. Cool. I'm going to games with you then. <laughs> um, if I was in the Red Wings marketing department, I, I am in marketing. I am actually a marketing manager. That is my day job. Well, there you uh, go. But uh, I would work with accounting to lower ticket prices. I would also do some stuff where, like, a select number of people that buy tickets can do like a meet and greet and autograph session before the game. You don't mm. want to do one after the game because they're angry because they lost. Yeah. Probably. So uh, like a meet and greet before or like um, buy a ticket and you can come before the game to get a, a backstage tour of the arena, something cool to give, to give fans kind of a perspective that they maybe haven't seen before. Even to that point, like just with like combo tickets, just like better combos. They've got all the Labatt Blue specials and things of that nature. Yeah. But you're still forking out 65 bucks per ticket. And then you're sitting all the way up at the top with a whole, I mean, it's a great view. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm getting a, a deal of two tickets or three tickets, I want to be affordable, but I also want to get seat. 
Yeah. And say, I mean, say you, you get, if you buy a ticket, you get entered into a raffle to win an autographed Lidstrom jersey or something. If you buy like, a specific pool that they set aside for it. Yeah, I have like six or seven gifts, like high-end things, like autographed by Zetterberg, autographed by Lidstrom jerseys. To give yeah. like, it's a pool of 10 things per game. It costs you nothing. Those yep. jerseys only are so expensive because they're officially licensed. It doesn't cost anything for the team to get them. You could even do a game-worn jersey game autograph. Perfect game worn autographed jersey we've got 10 of them for this game you buy a ticket you're automatically entered and with digital tickets that's really easy because then you're just notified by email if you win yeah so, exactly i mean you can do something like that they have so many alumni that are in the area like darren mccarty you're always seeing him around chris draper granted he's part of the organization but people would pay if it's reasonable if it's going to be something that they win can meet these guys or watch a game with either of them stuff yeah. like that that's, I mean, great, great ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, the second I'm question tired. from <laughs> the second, yeah, I'm, I'm typing an email right now to them. The second question from Facebook is from Michael Crump. It says the team starts and ends with vets. When do they start getting fewer minutes for not stepping up and starting to produce? I have seen more fight out of some of the kids. Mantha should start being a healthy scratch if he doesn't get his act together. So, I'll start. Oh my God. Okay. I'll start with the Mantha thing. Mantha looked better last game. Yes. Uh, he had a Cronwall style hit, albeit maybe a little low, but he looked sure that bad. He looked better. Yes. Mantha is not going to be the fastest skater on the ice. Mantha probably not going to be the first person to the puck. Mantha always not going to hit people like that. He's already on the fourth line. I'm not sitting him because who are you going to put in in front of him? It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. Even Mantha being lazy is better than who you're going to replace him with at full effort. Which so, would be Witkowski. Yeah, yeah. Well, Witkowski, who has five points in his entire NHL career. So uh, as to when do the vets start sitting in favor of kids? So... That's another thing I've seen a lot of lately is sit the vets, pull up some kids. You've got a roster limit, so you can't, you literally can't do that. Uh, but when do, and money, yeah, you've got a cap. But when do vets, I could see them start giving vets less ice time, which they've kind of done already. Mm -hmm. Your your kids are, are pretty much leading in ice time now. But we'll see what starts happening. I say if if Erickson's back and, you know, Ryan's favorite player, Jonathan Erickson, turns the puck over for five straight shifts. Jesus I see, Christ. What, why? I see him getting – you could sit him for for a, a period. Sit him for a period and, and move lines around. But then people complain about Blaschel's line blending. Well, he's line blending because people are sucking on certain lines. So you've got to change their lines to give him less minutes. So I do see the vets sitting, but but I think your vet problem is going to be over pretty soon when within the next two years they're gone anyways. I'd agree. I mean, it's this season, I think by about that time, this team will pretty much be eliminated from playoff contention unless, the, by the grace of God, every team gets into a severe car accident or a plane crash. Let's hope that doesn't happen, yeah. though. <laughs> um, but it's Red Wings are the Stanley Cup champions by default. Jesus Christ, no. But it's, I, I think, unfortunately, you'll see, like, Cronwall go down by the end of the year. He'll go IR, so you'll see some guys getting called back on defense. 
Erickson has shown he can't stay healthy, thank God. So he'll go down again at some point. Um, and then it's just it's going to be as injuries occur, guys are going to get moved around. I could see Ferk or Witkowski getting sent down, not claimed, so they'll still stick with the team essentially. But that'll be for like a guy like Zadina or Turjan. We already know Svechnikov's gone for the year, so that's unfortunately not going to happen. But I don't think it's going to be officially like more consistent, if you will, until later in the season. Yeah, and you already saw Blashell say today that Rasmussen is staying with the team. He's not getting sent back down to junior. They don't care about the first year of his ELC, so he'll stay on the team. So those are the kind of announcements that, yeah, those are the kind of announcements that say the kids are playing. The vets aren't going to get all the time. We're going to play who's actually working and who who has the best chance of producing on the ice. Right. I mean, it came in combination of hearing that Heronik's going to get sent down, but. At the same time, Green is likely back by the end of the week, and then DeKaiser is going to be back shortly after. So there's a reason for all these things happening. So Yeah, Hicketts and Hironic got sent down today. Oh, Hicketts did? I did not see that. Uh, I believe it was both of them to make room um, for DK and Green. No, man. So, Anyways, but to finish my my last point, um, I don't think I'm going to go with what you just said there on Mantha. If he gets sent scratched, he's going to be for a game. He's going to get a, a day off to sit, reflect, and watch how much they suck him above. So sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Exactly. But, I mean, he's so – he just needs to shoot the fucking puck. Yeah, and it's his confidence right now, a shot completely. Yep. And it showed – what was it Was it last night or two games prior where he is a three-on-two, he decided he to pass the yeah, and he passed the puck to Vanek instead of shooting on a wide open shot. Yeah, it was two a wide games open. ago. Yeah, two games ago. That's stuff like that. He just needs to do it. And he came back out after that. And he was as he was all over the puck and all over the net. But just shoot the puck, man. That's what you have. That's what your gift is. He's yep. shown it. And if he starts doing that, I think he'll be fine. Because when he is doing that and putting the puck in the net, he it reciprocates to his defensive play, which isn't anything great, but he could put a body on a guy and force a turnover and make a stupid make them do make a stupid play. So I, I don't think he's gonna be sitting as much as we can bitch and moan and gripe about his defensive play. He's still one of the better offensive threats on this roster. Yep. So the next question comes from Patrick Gumbetter the second. What happens first? Wait, wait, what was the name? That was Patrick, incredible. Patrick Gumbetter the second. I like it. Says what happens first? Management and coach finally admit and address the problems at forward and defense and start pushing out vets, or ownership steps in and does an overhaul of staff changes. I will tell you that the staff is not getting changed. No, I'm going to go with the the first part of that statement about addressing the roster and vets in approximately one and three quarters of a season. Yeah, and I'll tell you that what ownership would first do is go to management and say, hey, uh, you better make some changes real quick mm-hmm. or else we're going to make some changes to you. So the threats always come from the top. And I think that's why I think management are up, not management, but ownership is the reason that so many rookies are on the team. Uh, I agree. I think ownership, yeah, I think ownership is the reason that some vets may be getting less ice time. I think ownership is the reason that some people like Nyquist and, and maybe even Howard may get traded before the tra- or at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But it's 
it will always come from the top to pressure management first before actually changing the management for the people that say Blashill's going to get fired before the end of the season. Don't hold your breath. No, I, there's no, I mean, there's no point. Two years ago, if they would have brought in Bilesma, then I would have said the writing's on the wall for him to put up or shut up. If they would have brought in Bilesma sooner, I think then yes, it would have put Blashill immediately on the hot seat. But I think that he is there to work with these young guys to make them better. I mean, look what he's doing with the power play already. Granted, last night was just fucking abysmal. But overall, it actually hasn't been that bad. No. And, uh, Our power play has been one of the best things on the team. Which is mind-blowing. <clears throat> but it's – no, I think that the there's a reason they gave Kenny Holland a two-year deal because they look at the roster situation. He's like, hey, you have two years to not fuck this up any further than it already is. And after that point, that's where the floodgates can open when it comes to, I mean, even starting next year, they can start making moves to bring in talent to go along with this this young influx that they have coming through the ranks. So it's going to be, to me, letting the roster die out more than a change in management. But granted, Iserman makes things interesting, but we don't know what the hell is going to happen with that until it happens. Yep. So we'll move to Twitter. Uh, at, from at Minity Frank is how surprised are you at Mantha's struggles to start the season with how he's looked disengaged and disinterested? Do you think it's just an early season slump or does this look like a real problem for Detroit between player, coach, and system? So not to go crazy about Mantha again, and I'll just kind of gloss over this. If you if you've watched Mantha since he came to Detroit, uh, you love him when he's scoring. And don't notice that he's literally been like this defensively his entire career. Yep. But when he scores, you're excited because he's putting the puck in the net. He hasn't scored yet this season. If he were to have scored three out of or four out of the past six, seven games, you'd be happy with him because he's putting pucks in the net. His defensive game literally doesn't look any different from day one. But he just he has not started scoring. He's got one goal through nine games, which is uh, not good for his, what he for his own what he holds himself to, and he's also I know we don't usually talk about it too much. He's a minus twelve. Yeah, well, I mean plus minus can be an out the window stat, but mm-hmm. I think but his only goal is on the power play. Yeah, so if he was scoring in bunches, you wouldn't care about his defensive play. But the only reason you care about his defensive play is because he's not scoring right now. Mm-hmm. Could he pick up his defensive play? Sure, I guess if he cared about being the best defensive player out there, that would be great. But you saw in his scouting before they drafted him that he is not a defensive player. He is kind of slow, so I'm not surprised. I don't think it is a management and coaching issue on Mantha. I think that's just the kind of player that he is. Mm -hmm. And he needs to get his confidence back and start shooting the puck. No, I I agree. I think from day one, he's always had that I don't give a fuck type look where he's very he's monotone in his emotion um you can tell when he's excited because he's putting the puck in the net but i mean he was not going to be in that sense so he's i I think it's more frustration on his part he sees where the team's at they all see where the team's at nobody's putting the puck in the net and once it happens we'll start praising him again but there's so many inefficiencies on this team as a whole yeah that makes it that much harder for him players like him to start getting into a groove for Larkin to truly get into a groove and for the rest of the team to start clicking and coming together. I can tell you right now that 
Mantha not playing a defensive game right now is one of the lowest priorities on the team. Mm-hmm. Just it's, score. It's, exactly. Just score. And yeah. our final question from Twitter is from at U2WingsLiz9655. If you're the GM, do you fire Blashell or just ride out the last season with him? Right off into the sunset. Yeah, I mean, right, right out the season with him. I don't see any reason to fire him. No one's going to come in and do anything different. Nope. It's not like changing the coach right now is going to shake up the locker room and get guys fired up and wanting to win. We have won the game we won and lost the games we lost because we were supposed to. Because we were not better than the teams that beat us. We did not. We could have played our asses off. We do not right now have the offensive talent to beat these teams. Mm-hmm. When, Like we said earlier, when you've only got literally two-thirds of a first line, uh, a bottom third of a second line, and the rest are low third and fourth line players, you're not, yeah, you're not expecting to win games. So and and you can't blame Blashell for that. He's doing the best with with what he's got. He could literally do the worst thing a coach could not the worst thing the coach could do, but the the most uh, like to show the coach is the most pissed off at you. Blashell between periods could walk into that room and not say a word to them. Mm-hmm. Just walk in, not say a word, and then let them figure it out themselves and they're still not going to win. Yeah. Because there's nothing he can do to turn the team around. Scotty Bowman couldn't do it. You couldn't put Scotty Bowman in here and have him win. You couldn't put Joel Quinville in here and have him win. No one's winning with this team. I mean, look what Quinville's got in Chicago, and they still couldn't put it together. Exactly, and they're not they're not firing Quinville. No. They're not blaming him because their team has had enough turnover to not be great, and they've still got two really good players. They've got Taves and Kane still. They've got Alex Dabrinkit. They still suck. Yep. So you can't blame Blashill for not – excelling with a team that's not built to excel in the middle of a rebuild. Yeah, no, the, the one comparison I would make to especially thinking about a firing this early in the season would be Columbus a couple years ago when they ended up bringing in Tortorella. Yep. But the, the difference though there, Columbus had a team that just came off a playoff that they're making the playoffs and then were expected to contend for a division title. And they started the season just like Detroit did right here, like one win in their first nine games. So the the difference is we don't have players that Columbus has right now. They don't have a Cam Atkinson out there just dropping dimes in the net. It's You you can't just do a knee-jerk reaction. And and Holland's kind of reiterated this fact as well, that you just got to go with what we got right now embrace the suck essentially as i think we're starting to coin the term of and uh just go as much as i hate some of his decisions when it comes to like line combos it's it is what it is i'm gonna bitch and gripe about it because i'm a fan but that's about all i can do just like we keep saying we got a year of contracts two years later and then just go yeah i mean if if peter laviolette was doing this right now in nashville He'd be fired. Oh, in a heartbeat. If Jim Montgomery was doing this right now in Dallas, he'd be fired. Mm-hmm. You're not either of those teams. You're not a team that's expected to make the playoffs. You're expected to be a bottom five team. You're expected to compete every night and not win. 
But if you're on any of those teams that are expected to make the playoffs and expected to compete and you've got a one, six and two record, if you lose two more games, your coach is fired. That's how it goes. But if you're, if what is expected of you is what is expected of Detroit in this year, this season, there's no reason to fire Blashell. No, I mean, he's got his final season of his contract. How long was Biles by hired on for just uh, this season? He got a three-year, so two years beyond Blashell's contract. Okay, so it's definitely it's not it's it's hard to judge what happens with Blashell following this season too, because it's not it's not a true make or break year for him. I guess the biggest thing is going to be how well does he develop what he's got there right now. Yep, and we can't tell in nine games if he's doing that or not. Larkin's showing what he should be showing us. He's flying up and down the ice, making plays, leading the team at points to start the year. Other guys, it's to be determined. I mean, what can he do with Chalowski? How is he going to utilize him when he's got a full veteran core back and healthy? Is he yeah. going to top two role and make him, allow him to get better, or is he going to move him off? What's he going to do with Rasmussen? It's things like that that I think will dictate whether or not he lives after this season. Exactly. I agree. Uh, but that actually uh, wraps up our mailbag. So that was pretty good. We got some pretty good questions and some solid answers out of that. Uh, And I think that also wraps up our time. So Ryan, do you have any final thoughts about the upcoming uh, games? So we've got a huge homestand and we've already started it off on the wrong foot. So as long as we go (laughs) 500 on the homestand, I think that's going to be a win, even though it's a fantastic ask for who they have coming up because they got Winnipeg, Dallas, Columbus. <laughs> okay. We're not getting 500 in this. Uh, Winnipeg, Dallas, Columbus, lost, lost, uh, lost. Yeah. And then New Jersey, Edmonton. Uh, New Jersey's off to an okay start, but I still think we'll lose to them. Uh, Edmonton, we're not beating. So we could look at a six game tentatively, a six game losing streak here. That's fantastic. So another one, just compete. and make it interesting and and what's what's really unfortunate and this is my last thing is no more empty net goals because it's really killing my vibe i'm trying to track these uh (laughs) one goal losses and uh what's your twitter Uh, at rd ryan 33 cool so my final thoughts are that just quit your bitching (laughs) <laughs> There's no reason, like, seriously, quit your bitching. Accept that we're not supposed to win this season. Accept that Blashill is working with literally Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, Dennis Chalowski, and a bunch of garbage bags filled with nothing. Literally, that's what is happening currently. We're not going to win. We're not going to be good. We're going to try and compete, and we're going to lose a lot of games and draft real high. That's, just be excited for the draft. Be excited for trade deadline. That's all I got for you. Make Corey Promen your best friend. And watch watch the kids develop because that's the exciting part of this season. Don't lose track of how the kids are developing. Exactly. And you can, and you can follow me on Twitter at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast on Twitter at Grindline Pod. You can also please subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Podbean, on Stitcher, uh, your local Kroger uh 7-Eleven whatever you can pretty much find us anywhere now 
Um, okay. We're going to try and get some guests on uh, pretty soon. I know I've been talking to Craig Custance. He's got a pretty busy schedule. Right. Um, we might try and get George Malik, or I'd love to get uh, Krupa on. Krupa is my to, dream right now. Yeah, we get Krupa on to do some um, a guest spot for us and discuss some Red Wings and, and rebuilding this team. Uh, but for Ryan, uh, I am Greg, and you stay classy, Hockey Town.